The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of The Godfather, Part 2, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings of this classic, perhaps one of the greatest movies of all time. And joining me today on the panel are Andrew Hermes. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And Mike Creevy. Hi, Mike. Hey, good to be here. Both Andrew and Mike were with me when we talked about uh, a long time ago at this point, but uh, we talked about the Godfather part one. So we're back together again for part two. Uh, before we get to that, I do want to encourage uh, you, the listener, to if you can, after you're done listening, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from and write a review of Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. That reviews are really important for uh, the getting the show out in front of other people and the the algorithms you know, bump the show and engagement and all that social media nonsense uh, stuff. So uh, we really do appreciate it, though. If you can write a review, give us a nice five-star review, say something nice. We really, that would be awesome. And if you could share the podcast with your friends, uh, the, those two things are the primary way we get the show out to to more people. All right. So uh, with the preliminaries out of the way, let's talk a little bit about what we're, what we're here for, which is the Godfather part two. We talked about the Godfather part one, which came out in 1972. And this movie came out just what two years later. Uh, uh, just like that part right here, we have perhaps one of the greatest movies of all time, and then perhaps the greatest sequel of all time. <laughs> uh, within two years later, that's that's in 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 twenty twenty one as we as we record this, that seems astonishing to me that that could happen. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think of just the that imp- the implausibility of that, that, that and that they had all these actors that they could bring back for this for this movie, this great cast? What do you think of the, of that, just that part there? Well, it was astonishing for its time, for sure. And, and not even just thinking about it today, because you rarely saw sequels uh, b- before that. And yeah. then and you never saw a sequel that was you know, arguably better, if not at least on par with the first one. Uh, you can still say that today. It's still hard to achieve. But uh, yeah, that just that just speaks to the the amazing feat that, you know, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, achieved and, um, you know, Al Pacino and the whole cast. Uh, it, it's really it's really r- remarkable. And 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 uh, if you re- if you go into the history behind the movies, I mean, it, especially the first film was had a lot of problems, you know, uh, mm-hmm. production wise, uh, a lot of fights with the studio between Coppola, uh, and, right. and the studio and the producers. And, and he didn't even want to come in for the second one. Uh, he, uh, he wanted to just produce it. Uh, he actually wanted Scorsese to direct it and the studio said, Nope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, um, Francis was like, okay, if I'm going to, he had all these demands. He's like, if I'm going to come back and direct it, uh, I mean, he said, I have to give me a budget to write and direct the conversation, which was another ama- <laughs> astonishing film that was, uh, you know, nominated for Best Picture the same year as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
Uh, and he said he wanted to direct uh, San Francisco Opera or San, yeah, San Francisco Opera production, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. which he got. They get they're like, okay, fine. What else do you want? He's like, I want to write the screenplay for The Great Gatsby. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. You got everything right. You got everything you wanted, and uh, it was it was the right decision. But um, yeah, uh, yeah, that just that reminded me of a little bit of the history. Uh, behind the, the you know the the production of of uh, the first two films, but but yeah, it's it's really um, why it's considered um, one of the greatest films of all time uh, and one of the greatest sequels. Mm. I mean, both movies won Best Picture. Like the, between the yeah. nine nine Academy Awards. I mean, if you value mm. you know awards like that, you know, which I I don't I don't think uh, you know uh, these big awards are all that big a deal for for me. I don't think they're indicator of how good a movie is necessarily. But the fact right. is, is the industry thought it was worth nine uh, uh, Oscars. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I don't really have a whole lot more to add as far as the, the, the more, more technical side of it. I've just, I wonder, you know, we'll talk more about this, but um, to me, it's, it's, uh, I know like it, I wonder, and I wasn't there, but I wondered like if it's something akin to my own experience with these, these films, which, um, um, I might be a little hazy on the specific details here. So if someone, I didn't listen to our show from before, before we were doing this here today. Yeah. So if someone out there is just a crazy huge fan and, and knows everything we said in our last episode and something I say contradicts something I said before about my experience, <laughs> I'm sorry, I might have the details. Wrong. But, um, you know, I first saw them probably in, in high school and, you know, I saw them in order and uh, I just, uh, for me, the second one just did such a tremendous job of, of fleshing out uh, these these characters. And in a way, I mean, I have no, thankfully, no family experience with any kind of organized crime or anything like that. Like, it's not like it spoke directly to my experience or something. But to be able to see and I'm sure we can maybe touch on some of the theological aspects of it, yes. too. The. The way sin works. Mm -hmm. quite frankly and how it there's no it just it there's no good end down that like you come up with yes. all the plots and machinations and everything and uh, the network and just the, the complicated empire and all that it's it's like at the end of the day you know it's it's uh building your house on sand right you know and so it's 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 interesting like as you watch it you know and again we'll talk more about the specifics but i think for me as a sequel what was interesting was just seeing that theme not just flesh out you know, for, for Michael, the more kind of like present timeline, but also seeing more better understanding more of the seeds of where it all came from. Right. Um. So and I'm sure we'll get into this more specifically, but the I know there's a lot of criticism for that kind of back and forth between the two timelines. But for me, I always thought it was very interesting uh, and I really thought it it, it was a, a very compelling way to go about a sequel. Yeah. To, to your point, these are these two movies are are a journey parallel journey of a father and a son into darkness i mean this is really yeah. their descent into you know as powerful as they become as wealthy it, i mean especially in this movie you see michael no matter what what he does and in fact i think it's in part three where he does the whole they pull me back in is that is that pacino in part three yeah. Uh, yeah. i mean yeah. this is Great kind line. of the, you know, in the first movie he he says to Kay, you know uh, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take it straight. You know, I'm gonna take the family business straight. In this movie, it's my family, not me. Right. Too, before and, even before that, yeah. Right. And in this one, it's I'm gonna go straight. You know, he says mm -hmm. it again, uh, and he just 
it, it the insidiousness of sin. He is it's it just it gets its claws in you. And by the end of this movie, uh, and well, well, you know, I was, was going to say this for the end, but but for the end of this movie, Michael is a haunted man. I mean, that yeah. closing scene, that closing shot of him, you know, I mean that, that he has been aged literally in as we as throughout this movie. By the end of this movie, he looks. Looks like Captain America at the end of uh, Infinity Endgame, I think it is, <laughs> right? I mean, he is he has been aged. So yeah, th- this is a great pair of movies with a, t- telling essentially a single story. You know, uh, it, it's just it's it's amazing the journey from one to the other. I just uh, thought of like three things about part three. I want to say, but I can't. <laughs> I can't wait for that one because it's yeah, it really yes, it comes full circle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's let's you mentioned the uh, the parallel narrative in this one. So in the first these are these these two movies are they're they're very much alike in some ways, but they're very different in, in other ways. And one of the ways is the structure. The first movie was, was a fairly straightforward, you know, beginning, middle and end uh, from a time frame. This one goes back and forth. You mentioned it was controversial, and I can see why it might be. Uh, in, in in fact, I think Coppola said at one point that the, the first cut when they first tested it without they didn't like it it was it was too much jumpy and so they took out a lot of the jumping back and forth and made it a lot you know much more about the 1950s and six i think i think we end up in the 60s by the end of it but 19 the late 50s uh than we do in the early 20th century with veto uh but but the this parallel structure telling the you know the story of how it begins and it's not really the end, we know, because part three is coming. But but from the the perspective of these two movies, how it how it ends up, uh, you know, things things the, the the glory days of the mafia are passing by. You know, with the 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 hearings and all that stuff. So, what do you guys think about this structure? Did you like it? Uh, is it was it too much? Uh, what do you, what do you think about the the these having it as a both prequel and sequel in the one? For me, it's what makes it better than part one. Um, you know, again, you're talking about these are two of the best films and it's, it's always like the people have the arguments. Well, one is better. Two is better. There's really no right answer, I think. But for me, at least, um, you know, part two, you know, as you mentioned, as, as similar as they are, as far as like the father son parallels, it's really a much different film. And I think we were talking about this before we started recording. Um, you had mentioned part two is more about the relationships. It's more about, um, it's, it's less about the, less about, like, as you said, the, the, the gangster stuff. Um, and that, I mean, a part one in, in that sense is, you know, it plays a little more safer or more, I guess, straight audience friendly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, part two, you know, like you, like you said, the, and, 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 uh, you know, in production, they, the test audiences hated it at first because of how much it jumped back and forth. And then they, they obviously eventually fixed it. But, you know, for me, um, you know, by, I don't know, by halfway through the film, you know, Michael's character is pretty cold. He's pretty soulless. Not a character you want to root for. Uh, not a character that's easy to sort of empathize with. And obviously by the end of the film, you know, it's it's hard to to see any good in him. But uh, so you needed that Vito Corleone storyline because you're rooting for Vito, even though he's I mean, he's doing bad things. But within the, you know, within the movie, the rules of the film, he's he's, you know, he's kind of like playing a, a good guy. You know, you're rooting well, he does for him. bad things to bad people. 
you know, right. in, in that yes. sense. Yes, exactly. Right. And, and, you know, he, you, you see like his humble beginnings and, and how he, ha- he has a, has a good heart, cares about people and, and takes care of people. Um, uh, so I think the, 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 the film really needed that. Um, and, uh, I don't, the, the, the movie would not have worked as well as it did without, uh, that sort of prequel sequel, uh, thing going for it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it's hard to compare, I mean, De Niro to Brando, <laughs> you know, right. they both plays. I mean, it's, it's the only character I think until the Joker where, uh, and Oscar was one for the same character by two different actors. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's remarkable, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, getting to see, you know, how he came to, to power and paralleling that with, uh, Michael's story was, I mean, th- this film is uh, to me the, the best film of all time. And, and a lot of that has to do with how, how it, that's those stories interweave and how, f- I mean, film as an art form, I mean, this is it. I mean, from, I mean, we'll get into all, all of it with the cinematography um, and with, you know, how, you know, the, the performances are, are laid out and, and how the, you know, the just Al Pacino's face, <laughs> just <laughs> the, the way he uses his face is this uh, unmatched. But, um, but yeah, to me, that's, that's what sets this film apart. I think, well, and it's funny cause I do have the, uh, I just th- thought this was, funny from the uh an example of one of the negative reviews you guys probably saw this in the, the i know like the wikipedia article had this uh vincent canby said uh the film was stitched together from leftover parts it talks it moves and fits and starts but it has no mind of its own the plot defies any rational synopsis <laughs> now i disagree but man that was that's brutal he was yeah, he's, yeah. That's, that's you know shots fired but um but yeah, for, for me, I mean, just echoing a lot of what, what Andrew said, um, I, I, I think what, what's interesting about it is, again, it's, it's technically a you know, sequel, you know, part two, but the part two, the way it's structured, being that sort of prequel sequel sort of feel, it's like it, it, it expands, right? You know, like it, it, so it's to me like the, it increases the context for the first movie you know, very brilliantly um, by, by sort of growing on either side of it. And then as it does that, then as you're watching the more sequel portion of it, it's, it's like the stuff, you know, from the first movie now has more context, even seeing um, uh, Clemenza um, who's oh, I just lost the name of the other, who's the other friend? Sally. Oh, no, so, uh, right. Sal, yeah. Seeing them, yeah. Yeah. Seeing them as the young guys and how, you know, Vito got to know them and the actors that played them as young guys are believable, you know, um, and that's just interesting to get that, you know, kind of context. But I, when Andrew mentioned the humble beginnings, it was funny because I was just thinking about, uh, again, and we'll get more into this with the character development, I'm sure. But for me, it's it's just so fascinating uh, that, you know, there's never, of course, we know morally, you know, there's there's it's it's never morally permissible to do anything evil so that any good would come of it, let alone, you know, terrible stuff. But by the same token, recognizing that it's just inter- it's an interesting reflection, you know, and I can't show this to a ninth grade theology class, but maybe <laughs> college, you know, like actually sure. to, to look at scenes from it and, and reflect and look at like an interesting reflection on judgment and, and the concept of justice. Um, for one thing, because even in the very beginning of the first movie, you know, that that incredibly brilliant 
uh, and you guys remember, you know, that how how long that zoom out is, you know, as the guy, like, I believe in America, like the first scene and, and that guy pouring his guts out and you don't know the context yet. You don't know they're at a wedding, all this. It's just that first real just putting you in that room with how these guys talk and the whole thing there that this horrible, horrible thing has been done to this man's beautiful daughter. And he, as a father, you know, and I'm telling you, I can start to feel this myself <laughs> now when I watch it. Like, I, you know, I want these guys like I want you to do something about it. I want you to you know, go ahead and go kill these guys. And how very collected, you know, the Don sitting there who, who hears him, you know, uh, has him you know, has his guy get him a drink. You know, he's very he's his full attention is there. He's at his daughter's wedding, but he's fully there for this guy. But even in that moment, fully appreciating that story is there to kind of almost like teach him in this this in his mode of, of you know morality that this that's not justice your daughter's still alive you know but michael's different <laughs> you know i think like you know in some ways he's similar and i i wonder uh i know i'm going long here but in my mind i wonder when in part two when you see what Vito had been through and you see this this just destitute like family murdered like all this horrific stuff that quite frankly michael never had anything like that happen to him growing up you know he grows up in this hyper protected established kind of you know immigrant family that has really asserted its power and taken this really prestigious you know well, crime sort of prestigious you know role uh, you know he hears maybe you know he'll maybe hear those stories that kind of stuff but he he doesn't have that experience and he's living in a different time and and it is, it's just so interesting to see that contrast between this, you know, 1907 Sicily and like the teens and like the the really ingrained anti-Italian immigrant kind of stuff that they're, they're dealing with. Everything's an uphill battle, carving out their own concept of justice, which doesn't justify what they do. But you can almost understand, like, well, what's he supposed to do? You know, or, you know, you can understand why he's doing what he's doing. But Michael's a little, I think it's what makes him a more compelling villain between the two of them. I think it's much easier to see him as a villain than Vito. So that's, so. that's just an interesting contrast, I think, between yeah. them. So many thoughts. Well, uh, so yeah, one, <laughs> no, I, I had like three, like three different things I wanted to say in really in, in Flesh response all to that. that out. Yeah. But but, uh, <laughs> but one thing I want to mention is, is this is a really uh, I think one of the reasons why this movie is so compelling is it's really an expression of the. Uh, the immigrant experience, like Americans, you know, you, you see that first generation American who comes from, you know, from Sicily and all the way through to the what, you know, how the next generation deals with. All of what the father hands down to the son, you know, this 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 uh, I don't say baggage, but this uh, this this whole uh, low level of culture and expectation and responsibility and all the things that the father did in order to give this life to the son. And then the son, what do you, you know, what do you do with it? What, and the importance of family. I mean, this is really, again, like the, the immigrant experience that we see here. Uh, I, like, I gotta tell you, uh, I, this move, these two movies, but this movie, especially, uh, I think in some ways, really touched me in a, in a in a personal way because like my grandfather was born the same year that Vito Corleone cuz they t they tell you how old he is in 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 1901 was born the same year in Sicily as Vito you know the character my my actual grandfather and came to America by himself when he was 12 not when he was 9 you know and like 
a lot of the stuff in even down to when when they go back to Sicily, when, the, you know, when when Vito's, uh, you know, adult with his with his family and the grandmother, I'm like, that's my grandmother. Like, <laughs> like she totally. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, just. And I, and I, I probably mentioned in the first one, I'll repeat it now in case someone hadn't listened to it, but you know, when you, Mike, you said, oh, I've had, you know, no experience of the, the mob or the mafia organized crime. Uh, I can't say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you I mentioned mean, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I must, you know, I come from a Sicilian family. My dad grew up in the West end of Boston, which is a, you know, a, a, a poverty area. And he knew a lot of guys. Let's just say when I was a kid, we used to go over some of my dad's friends' houses and, uh, you know, swim in their pool. And these guys who had a lot of money and were influential in town and, Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> so this this yeah. this intersected a bit with my world. Uh, so it was it was very, uh, you know, I- I- impactful for me as you know a Sicilian American. I mean, the fact that that the music for this movie, for Nino Rota's uh, you know score, na 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 na, like that has become the thing that Italians do to one another when they kind of show up and you know and you're dressed up in your in your suit or whatever. This this movie has has that impact, uh, but it it I mean it this movie is the quintessential American immigrant movie because even if you're not Italian, it a lot of these themes resonate that that generational uh, story. Uh, so it, it, that you kind of brought that to mind with me. Well, and I just just one one quick little side note on that because that's um my ancestors are mostly um, Irish and Polish, which you know you go back a generation or two before you know Vito, and it's like you know gangs of New York kind of stuff, you know. Um, and so that's I, I think a lot of us have somewhere back the line some sort of experience like that with with family. Um, and on a lighter note, I think I might have told you guys this last time. My wife's family's Italian, and I asked her once. If uh, if now that I've married in, you know, as I said, something like, you know, if I've married into it, do I get kind of like, you know, am I like a somehow like part of the, the club now? And she's like, no, if anything, you're more of an outsider now. <laughs> yes. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> There's no way to win. <laughs> like Connie's uh, fiance in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I, like I, I, yeah. Yeah. So there's there's elements. I'm like, yeah, I feel a little sometimes like that. So my daughters, though, they're 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 in. So they're in. Yes, totally. <laughs> uh, the the granddaughters. Let's, yes. let's get into the movie itself. Uh, yeah. Some of the stuff. One of the things that I found was, you know, so the things that really paralleled the first movie was this opening scene. I mean, this whole opening. So the first movie opened with a half hour of this wedding, Connie's wedding. This movie opens with, I'm not sure. I didn't time it. I should have probably a similar amount of time with the first communion. So you have, it's the sacraments, you know, the, the Catholic sacraments are the keystone and, and they keep showing up throughout the movies. Uh, but this this keystone moment in this family where everyone comes together and it's a it, at these moments in the family life where uh, favors are asked and uh, hand, shakes, hands are shaked, uh, shaken and you know, that sort of stuff happens. Uh, so it's 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 kind of fascinating to see that parallel between the movies, which must be, you know, uh, it, you know, it obviously intentional, but in. in Coppola's mind with with the way he did that, uh, but I thought that was amazing. Uh, just the the way they 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 parallel those two things. Yeah, uh, and and yeah, like you said, the the first movie opens with a wedding, and then it ends with a baptism, right? And then uh, this movie opens with um, 
the communion and it ends in death. So it's really the whole cycle of, of life. And, you know, when it comes to faith and family and, um, yeah, it's really obviously, yeah, like you said, it's intentional and, and really, uh, again, another thing, another detail that we can point to that, that makes, uh, this film so, uh, so great. Mm. It's it's interesting. Well, and and when I say it begins with, there is that opening sequence where the where the movie literally begins with a bang. A few, yeah. where <laughs> we see Vito in 1901. You know his his father's funeral. The funeral, uh, yeah. And then the same day, his brother is killed, and then his mother is killed, and he runs. Nine year old boy is running from the dawn of Corleone, the town. Uh, yeah, I mean, what a way to start this movie with a with a literal bang. Uh, um, so, um, but yeah, this, this first communion th- th- we have also, we had the introduction of the Senator Geary and I yes. found this interesting character as he goes throughout who, uh, he's, he, he has this moment in the beginning where he kind of like, you're, you're a thug. I don't want anything to do with you. Don't, you, you know, don't call me, et cetera, et cetera, stuff. You know, he, he kind of, but the fact is he's not wrong. Michael is a thug. He is a bad guy. He's a criminal. I mean, the, but Geary's also a hypocrite because he's just as bad in, in many ways yeah. as, as Michael is. But do you guys find yourself like squeezing the armrests just in a little bit of nervousness? Like you're in the room when those scenes happen. You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. dude, not a good idea. You know, because he's he's yeah, he's squeezing him. He's squeezing him for the um, the the fees, or like the registration fees and stuff, or the, the licenses for the casinos and stuff. Isn't that right? right? Yeah. I yes. forget exactly what it was. Yeah. And then he, you know, he just very calmly says, "Be like, it costs this. Why would I consider paying one penny more?" And he's like, "I'm going to squeeze you." And I'm like, "Don't do it. Not a good idea, yeah, man." <laughs> this is a great. This is a great scene uh, because th- this is also like the where we truly see Michael acting like a don. You know, after yes. after this, after Senator Geary just rips him apart and says all this racist stuff about Italians and and you know calls him a thug, like you said, and all that stuff. Um, uh, you know, Michael, just uh, so many quotable things. He's like, um, well, I can give you my answer right now if you want. <laughs> and he's like, right. And he's like, my offer is nothing. <laughs> and and, he, and he's like, I'm not even going to pay the fee, the gaming license yeah, the fee. Gaming, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I would appreciate it if you would cover that. You know, it's <laughs> like, oh, my wow. goodness. Like saying it in such a calm and collective way. And that's what it's yet yeah, so condescending. And then just laying like just laying the hammer down um it, it's 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 a very very uh what are my like favorite I, scenes I, in the movie I'm, uncom- I'm uncomfortable negotiating price for you know like the neighborhood email thing for like something i'm trying to sell in <laughs> right <neighbor>. yes yeah <laughs> watch this scene i'm like jeez well and that's isn't that the the true power the true power isn't the the, the guy who freaks out and yells and rants and raves the true power is the guy who can just stay calm and tell you like it is and that and that's what happens. That's yeah. And that shows Michael's power in this. Michael, there's a few moments where Michael in this movie where Michael loses his temper, uh, you know, with Fredo and in a couple other moments. But in in general, Michael is in control of his emotions throughout this movie, and that's what kind of makes him a little scary. You know, mm-hmm. it's really kind of uh, you, you know, it, it really intense that way. Because you're waiting for that explosion, which it's, it's never a, comes. It's a cold, calculating cruelty, you know, that's that's in there. And yeah, and it's interesting because it's not really 
it makes you I, I always wonder and I, I just always want to go back and back and dig deeper because I never get a complete answer to it. But I think. It's 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 always there. And I, I feel like that's the again with the thing with sin is it's like, you know, what, what you know, as Jesus says, you know, it's not what goes in to you. It's it, it defiles you. It's what comes out, you know, from your heart, and your mind, like those 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 weak sort of links in the or you know chinks in the armor that, that the enemy just kind of like, eh, you know, greed or like lust or vanity, whatever it is. It's like. So that's that's in there somewhere. And I wonder sometimes, too, if he almost knows it to some degree when he's so in the first movie, so resistant and, and seems sincere with Kay, like, I'm not going to that's not me. And and the moment that it really hits home and someone tries to kill his dad, then it's it's like that's that's the path he's on. And even the other guys don't really take him seriously. If you remember when he volunteers to be the one to kill um, Hagen, I just lost his not name Hagen. now. Uh, the captain. No, what's his name? The the. Oh, the no, drug dealer guy, the, the 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 middleman. I forget his name now. Off the top, uh, I'll, I'll think of it later. But when he offers to 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 kill him and the police captain and everything, they're like, "Oh, you know, little Mikey's gonna." You know, I mean, they don't really. It's like they don't even know what's what's in there, <laughs> right? You know. Well, and we see that at the end of the movie, how uh, his brother Salazzo. That was yeah, it. Salazzo. Salazzo. Yeah, there yeah, you yeah. go. Here, at the end of the you. movie, we see how Sonny. <laughs> treats michael at that at that birthday dinner you know and yeah we're gonna we're jumping around a bit but but that you know that's michael at the beginning of the last movie as opposed to where my it's that you we get that contrast right there in that scene of that guy who is what where he has changed like how how different he is now Mm -hmm. Uh, just even like with connie when like I, i mentioned connie and brings her her fiance and she wants to get married and she's coming to michael for money you know it's just it's so it's kind of it's kind of pathetic what has happened to this family you know this between fredo and connie you know the the ones that are left and and he's just so cold and but commanding with her um there's um i don't want to necessarily get into get too much into that i do want to and it's it's not not really even like fatherly i think he's trying to do it but but it's more like lord and servant kind of like it's a very yes yeah yes. it's like very much. yeah dictator type <laughs> well he's forgotten because they they talk about family so much family now encompasses all the soldiers all the employees essentially and so he doesn't understand what family really is anymore you know what the real meaning of family so i wanted to mention a complaint that some people make about this movie is is that it, they're confused by the plot and one of the things that people are confused by is so who did order Pentangeli's hit, the hit on Pentangeli by the Rosado brothers. Was it Michael? Because when they, you know, because they make it seem like Michael goes to uh, Hyman Roth, the guy he's doing business with, and and then, you know, we got to take care of Pentangeli. And then uh, the Rosado brothers, they go to uh, kill Pentangeli and they say, you know, this is for Michael and it doesn't happen. And and then later on, you're like, wait a minute, Michael says it wasn't him. And so you're like, so what was it or was it? And I think the point is, it doesn't really matter because the, they're so deep in the evil that they do that who is really responsible for it is is irrelevant because they're just soaked in these evil conspiracies all the time. I think I think it's intentionally left ambiguous and it shows how. 
they can, you know, they can make these demands on each other and kind of turn from one side to the other as as needed on a sub, you know as as subjectively required uh for to to get whatever you know evil ends they're they're heading for done i thought that was very interesting how coppola left that ambiguous uh for the audience or unless you guys did, did you guys think it was ambiguous or did you think it was a uh, clearer than i did it's uh funny about that that scene because you know right before uh, he dies, you know, he says, Michael Corleone, he says, <laughs> says, hello. Right. Right. The history behind that is that that actor ad libbed that line. Did he really? He yeah, he ad libbed <laughs> that line. And um, yeah, he was supposed to say he was supposed to say anything. He had no lines. Um, and uh, it's funny, a, a, a part, part of the reason was, uh, well, it's I mean, it's it's sort of become like a, a legend, but. Um, the actor himself has, has said stuff like this where he's like, well, you know, I didn't have any lines in the movie. I knew if, if I could get a line in, they would have, you know, I, I would get paid more because if you get <laughs> you get paid more, if you if you get lines in the movie, if you're right, if you have a non-speaking role, you, you don't get it paid as much. Um, but um, but yeah, Coppola said he he's he uttered that line in, in rehearsal. And he decided to keep it in. Um, yeah, I mean, to to me, you know, I think I. I think uh, there are one or two things and it's stuff that theories that I've heard. One is that uh, Roth ordered the hit, um, but the hit was supposed to like fail. You know, it it was just supposed to, you know, make it seem like, you know, Michael was, had it out for him. That's how I took it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, yeah. And then that's, uh, that's how I took it the first time as well uh for for a long time but i could also see how michael could have or the hit still too but um but yeah i think it's yeah that ambiguity is there but yeah that it's 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 uh interesting knowing that coppola wanted to keep that line was ad-libbed and coppola chose to keep it in yeah michael doesn't like loose ends right so that's one thing but but yeah i always took it as as uh to me it made sense if it was a you feign like you, you, I mean, you give it a good shot because I mean, he's he's messed up, but it's like you know he's going to survive this, and then for all the world, he's going to assume it was a hit on him, and then that's how they'll get him to dish and and bring the family down, and Roth can just sit back and let that happen. So yeah, it's I don't know. I did not know what Andrew. I didn't know that background story. <laughs> Interesting. That's yeah, pretty, it's, that's pretty good. It's, yeah, it was so, all, it's a great it's a story. It was all because he thought that Pentangeli had ordered the hit at the you know that night after the first communion the the attempted assassination uh and then and it turns out it was fredo who was behind it you know unwittingly apparently uh fredo well fredo was lacking in wits in a lot of the time in these movies but uh uh yeah so it's interesting to see that 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 in there and that you mentioned that but the couple of leaving that in um so I kind of want to. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether to keep jumping back and forth between the prequel stuff and the current stuff, like it did in the movie. But because in my notes I have, um, you know that that whole thing of in nineteen the 1917 part where Vito goes from being a hardworking immigrant in a in a grocery store, and this Fanucci shows up, and he's just he's the worst kind of gangster. He's the bully who takes advantage of his own people. And that's the thing that Vito always was was against. Vito's style is 
No, we take care of each other. We do favors for each other. I do a favor for you. And later on, you'll do a favor for me. You know, I'll make you and we have the famous I'll make him an offer. He can't refuse. We get that that whole that whole uh, bit there. And. It's it's kind of a fascinating look at he you know Vito was essentially the gentleman gangster of you know in that golden era quote unquote of the of the mobsters versus just the plain old gangsters that they became and and even in real life let me just say you know even in real life in the eighties and the nineties the the uh, the the mafia dudes in at least in the Boston area and probably everywhere they were really just gangsters they were just bad like they're always been bad criminals but these guys were just indistinguishable from all the other bad actors they took advantage of everybody they poisoned their their cities with drugs and all that other stuff whereas you know famously the godfather you know Vito was against drug running drugs and all that other stuff it was all about gambling and protection and that sort of stuff in the beginning so i thought that was interesting to see how Vito traveled you know journey with clemenza into this world in fact he was the he was the sidekick to clemenza at first i thought that was a fascinating turn in that as well bruno kirby of course playing uh the young clemenza uh, very well so what do you guys what do you guys think of that part of it i want to talk about the uh the, the feast of san rocco a little separately because one of the greatest scenes in film history uh as we know but uh but what do you think about that just that first part of of uh De Niro as Vito uh, in 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 New York. Wow, uh, it's, I mean, it's a it's an amazing you know setup for his character and and really the the choices that were made in how to you know develop that that character uh, were just fascinating. I mean, he, you know, when he gets when Vito gets fired and and he gets the pair and he comes home, you know, with the pair and and you know he just he's eating this pear and his wife is like, Oh wow. You know, how nice you have a pear. And it just, but it reminds him of like what that pear represents. <laughs> and, and he puts the pear down. I mean, he doesn't say any words, but you know, like that was like the moment where, you know, he's like, okay, I got to stand up and, and do something. And from there, then on, you know, we, we see the, you know, his rise to, to power. Um, and yeah, it, it's, uh, I, Again, it shows the, the the differences between him and Michael where, you know, he had it so rough and, and Michael was, you know, born with a silver spoon in his mouth. But even though Michael ch- chose to, you know, enlisted and, and tried to do his own thing um, and, and and tried to fight the, the mafia side of the family, um, you know, he didn't have to struggle like that, uh, uh, like he did. So um, I, I think that's where you see. I mean, again, they're both gangsters and they did very bad things, but you see the qualities that, that Michael lacked, um, that, that Vito, uh, you know, had, um, and that's, and a lot of that has to do with how Vito came up and what the struggles he had to go through. And, and, and those struggles just make you a different type of man, you know? And, uh, yeah, I I thought it was, you know, it's, it's some of the, the, the best scenes in film history, like you said, were, you know, seeing, seeing, you know, uh, Vito come up in these uh, flashbacks. Really, I don't really have much to add to that per se. You know, it's just I, I was just thinking that um, this is more of a question because I was, you know, I, we're, we assume that that you know, I mean, Michael was in World War II, so he had you know combat experience. But I was thinking, other than well, I, actually, 
I don't want to do the, you know, I'm not trying to get into body counts, but by the same token, it's interesting. Like there's just something different about, so like, you know, Vito, we see him, you know, kill a few people himself, you know, um, Michael, I, if I remember correctly, I, I think when he takes out Salazzo and the, the Hayden uh, police captain, yeah, that it's, it's, I think, is that it? I think that's it. I think after that, it's, it's everybody doing what, what he says, as far as we see, as far as him doing it. Um, yeah, that's, and, that's it. And what's interesting to me is he seems, you know, you notice when, when he's sitting at the table and I keep referencing the first one, but that's, you know, that's how these work. Of course, you know, he's, he can't look him in the eye, right? Like he's sitting there and like, they're still talking. He's like kind of nodding and looking down the, the, the trolley or train sounds getting louder. And he's kind of, you know, like, uh, Vito's not like that. <laughs> right. Like Vito <laughs> just gets, gets the gun, goes, waits light bulb out you know and just bam it, it, it's like very methodical but it's it's what's interesting to me is it's it seems to me more of a reflection of like we keep saying like where he comes from like that's just how that's how the world is to him right we um, saw clearly in that opening scene you know the the the, the his dad has been killed his brother gets killed yeah. his mother is shot you know the whole thing yeah that's the world <laughs> And it's it's almost like I mean, and again, again these, these theological connections are so interesting because we always have a choice. Right. But it's almost like. In some ways, it's like he doesn't choose to go into all of that the same way Michael does that, like Michael really. Seems to have a way to not go that road, you know, and even even Vito has said to him and, and you know, after he becomes Don and Vito recovers and he's lamenting that, he, you know, he never wanted this for Michael. You know, he wanted him to be a senator, you know, this kind of stuff like he wanted him to he would always be connected, but he wanted him to have a legitimacy. And um, but Michael like chooses it. And there's like almost like a, he I feel like he chooses it in a way that that kind of lends itself to him becoming more dark and sinister and, and that kind of thing. It's um, like the original so it, sin yeah. in a way, you yeah. know, from the father to the son. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but by the same token, not to keep, you know, not to excuse Vito, like you said, kind of Dom at the beginning, that's just interesting because the, then the real world, I mean, because this is a movie, but it's real world too. the, you know, guilt by association, you know, and the damaging effects that sin has, you know, in one sense, you can go real broad and then like the stereotypes that can develop, you know, but there's there's very often some sort of thing you know not to excuse that at all but there's some sort of thing that you know, we don't take seriously the 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 effect that, that our behavior is going to have on our family our neighborhood our race whatever it is you know um and then also you know even though like we were saying they these the second generation you know they they grow up with more of that sort of privilege in a sense you know that that guarding i mean they even they have armed guards outside you know um but by the same token it's like then those kids who are completely innocent, right? Those kids are born into a system now where this family, you know, you're, it doesn't matter. You're part of this family, which means you're an enemy of this family, which, and it's just the generational effects of our sin, you know? So every sin that Vito commits is gonna, you know, uh, have this domino effect. So, I mean, part of Michael's downfall is part of Vito's sin. Right. And Anthony will, will inherit that. Because at one point, Kay says, you know, Anthony's only friends are button men, you know, these gangsters, you know, that that that's all that's that's the life that they have. Uh, and she he promised they would 
they would be out in five years and it's seven years later and you're still still in it. And those, you know, the stories you hear, like the real crime stuff, like the stories of people who get out or try to get out and some of them do, but they you can't just walk away. Yeah. You know, like right. witness, you know too witness much. protection, like whatever it is. Like, you know, there's no just, oh, yeah, I'm going to leave it. So let's talk about the Havana part of this movie, which I thought was fascinating that we that that they did this, because if you know history at all, and in 1974, this was still fairly recent history for folks. This was in the news. Uh, they would remember they'd see Havana in 1958 and everyone would know that meant the, the Cuban you know, revolution. And it was a fast. I, I had to laugh at the part where what was it? Roth was saying, oh, yes, you know, in Cuba, it's the most it's better than capitalism in the U.S. We have, you know, more opportunity and more. And it's like, yeah, not for very long. <laughs> You're like looking at your watch like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's New Year's Day. Oh, yeah. We know what happens on New Year's Day, 1959. Uh, and and all of this happened in reality like all of the the gang the american mafia was leveraged to the hilt in havana there was actually a jewish gangster i can never remember his name but there was a jewish gangster who was leading among the mafia and and, and that sort of stuff uh, so a lot of these the, the people the situations are based on reality uh, but it's this interesting all of these betrayals is Roth's betrayal of Michael, Fredo's betrayal of Michael, Pentangeli's betrayal of Michael, uh, you know, because he ends up turning against them and uh, is, you know, in the Senate hearings uh, at first. And and it's this fascinating, you know, how Michael, even with all of these betrayals, and then Kay betrays Michael and Michael manages to just, you know, power his way through these betrayals. And even when it's impossible to fix you know, he says nothing is impossible. And he just by f sheer force of will. He gets his way every in everything. I mean, it's 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 a fascinating thing. You know, he's got these goes before the Senate commission. I'm just a simple businessman running an olive oil import company. I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, Frank, it's it's interesting to me, like Frank Pentangeli is about to testify against them. And all he has to do is see his brother there mm -hmm. and and that's it. And there's no real explanation of where's just it, the audience is just supposed to figure it out. Like, why? That's, that's the one that I always wondered about. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you why do you think Frank, the sight of 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 Frank's brother doesn't even talk to him? Just the sight of him changes his mind on something so important. What do you think? Well, it's uh, to me, it was obvious. It's uh, the threat of his brother getting killed, <laughs> you know, um, I, I think, you know, Michael knew exactly what to do. And, and, and honestly, <clears throat> you know, speaking about the, the Havana stuff, all the Havana stuff, all the Cuba stuff, uh, is, is really fascinating. It's really, and it's, it's really, I mean, from, it's, it's really the, as far as Michael's Al Pacino's acting, it's, it's in my opinion the best performance by anyone ever and 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 it's in those cold calculated um you know moments where he doesn't have to say anything you know it's uh, like <clears throat> the stuff between him and fredo yes mm -hmm. oh yeah is i mean i mean we're talking uh, like we 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 talked a lot about like the the parallels between him and and vito the the stuff between him and fredo is 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 just as good if not better 
and I mean, and speaking of, I mean, John Cazale is, is so underrated. I mean, he, he an amazing performance. And again, talk about award shows being shams. He should have definitely been nominated. Um, they, they, nom- they, they nominated, uh, Strasburg and, uh, um, and, and I forget the other actor's name who played, uh, um, Gosh, I'm forgetting everyone's name now, but they they nominated them for in the same category, but then nominate Kazale. But anyway, uh, you know Michael in Havana. I mean, if you notice what he's doing is is like even before he figures out, you know, Fredo's betrayed him. Um, he's he's staring right at him, like when 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 they're at the uh, at the restaurant and and. Um, you know, Fredo's introducing, you know, Michael to everyone, you know, Michael's is focusing just on Fredo and it's, it's like, you know, it's like a poker game, you know, he's, he's trying to read him. He's, he's, he's really trying to, you know, figure out, you know, was he the one that betrayed him or if not, then who, and you know, and so on. And it's, it's really, again, what makes this movie (laughs) just, it's hard for a movie to, to reach the, the peaks that this has. It's like, it's, it's stuff like that. The stuff in the, in the Senate hearing, just showing the brother. It's like, you, you didn't need any sort of dialogue or any, you know, exposition to tell you what's going on. You, you, you can tell, you know, and, and, and we can even talk about, you know, Gordon Willis, again, the, the brilliant cinematography using no lights, like basically just lighting everything from up top. So every, all you see are shadows, you know? So you're not really, uh, a lot of the, for a lot of the film, you're not really seeing people's eyes, you know, and, and the times you do see people's eyes, especially Michael's eyes, like, man, like the, <laughs> when Michael, you know, we'll talk about the betrayal some more, I'm sure. But when he realizes Fredo betrayed him, like what he just does with his eyes is like, you know, unforgettable. And, and, and when, you know, when, uh, and we'll get to, uh, you know, the abortion scene when he, re- when, when he hears that, what the stuff, <laughs> what his eyes do, what his face does, you know, it's, it's, it's in those moments that, that really makes this, this film. Cause you know, the stuff that comes out of Michael's mouth is if you, if you just read it on paper, means nothing, you know, it, it really, it, it carries no weight. Uh, a lot of it is, is either sarcasm or, uh, or just trying to be condescending or, or just, you know, playing the other person. Um, it's all in those little subtle, uh, you know, it's moments all in the actor. That, yeah, exactly. Um, where where everything works and 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 the, it's all on display in uh, in in Havana. I'm thinking of a couple things here too because it's so you, you when you brought up his the Cuba stuff with Fredo when they go out to lunch, you know, or just to get a drink. Yes, and it's just it's like this heartbreaking scene, you know, banana because it's like yeah, banana exactly. Decorate. Like how, how do you say how do you say it in Spanish? Banana yeah. decorate. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's it's like this sweet kind of tender moment. And even that's what's so brilliant about that scene. Of course, you know they have this conversation because they've had their rough moments throughout it, and this is like this attempt to connect. And even the way Fredo says, like he gets frustrated at the end of that scene, saying, "You know, why couldn't we do this before?" You know, like he, you know, like he wants to admit what he's done, but he's terrified because he didn't mean to, you know, put this hit on his brother or provide information about it. And, uh, you know, it's, um, it's so interesting that, you know, honestly, I, in a lot of ways, I feel like Al Pacino is scarier to me in this role than he is in devil's advocate when he plays <laughs> Satan, you know, so oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know, and by a lot, I mean, yeah. his, 
and I don't recommend that that movie anymore because I've changed a little bit in my criteria <laughs> personally for films. But anyway, but but that I mean, um, it's almost I don't say comical, but in that movie, there's it's a well done movie and everything. But like, it's almost like too much, you know, like Al Pacino yeah, is the devil. Like okay, the top, yeah. this it's like. He is an avatar of demonics, <laughs> like crime. But, you know, it's like far more believable. Um, and I just, uh, you know, we all know that that scene, you know, when he just goes up and that, that the way he grabs Fredo and, and like every it's this it's so brilliant, like the location of it, the New Year's, like just this pinnacle of joy and everybody's celebrating New Year's and that, you know, the, the kiss dramatic. Yeah. Contra- yeah, it's it's like a. um it's the judas imagery but like the reverse oh, of it totally you know, like if jesus yes. grabbed judas and was like i know it I was know you, you judas you yeah, broke my I, heart it, you broke my heart i mean yeah. uh. <laughs> that, yes totally and, does, and i'm sorry does he i always wondered you know and then, then things change dramatically I, I believe he's sincere about getting fredo to, to bring him home when he yells to him outside but I'm yes like, does he really think that he's gonna come go with him after that? Like, right? Oh, I'm still your brother. Like, uh, I'm gonna get on another plane. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know like anyone who you know, have you ever, ever ever fought with a brother, and you just I need a little distance right now, and that's like a whole other level. <laughs> yeah, in the in the middle of a Cuban revolution, he yeah, probably yeah. better to not go in Michael's car. Yeah, <laughs> I'd rather swim home. You know, right? <laughs> I, I, there's an interesting parallel to the to the Sicily stuff, you know, with this too. You know, the with, in the first movie uh, where Michael was in Sicily, and then it all ended so badly, and this you know the Havana stuff ends so badly, and then this in a similar way, like when he comes back from Sicily in the first movie, it's a year later he goes see he goes and sees Kay like. We don't like Coppola just drops everything <laughs> from that 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 dramatic return. And this kind of the same thing. There's, if this movie were made today, we'd have this whole sequence of him getting out and getting on the plane. And, you know, the all that's it's not important. That's not the important part of this movie. So I wanted to add uh, my my theory on what it was in the Senate hearing that changed Frank's mind. I don't think I, it could have been the threat to his brother, an implied threat to his brother. I think it was more the that he was afraid of his brother's opinion for him being a stool pigeon for 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 breaking the code uh because ah. it, I think at another point I think uh, later on I think it's uh, Hagen says to Frank you know that uh, he's old school or Frank says to Hagen yeah. he's old school like that you know he he didn't even want to go out to dinner he wanted to get back on the plane and go back to his two two mule town <laughs> you know I think it was that impl- that implication because again, family. It was a reminder of the importance of family, and so that's what got Frank to, well, figuratively fall on his sword in the hearing, and literally <laughs> almost fall on his sword later on. Uh, you, you know, because well, he recompense. He really does have that that very schmoozy kind of. I don't know what it is. I, I you know, uh, like a like a fifties kind of stereotype, almost like this schmoozy, you know, character, you know, with, with a lot of this bravado and everything. And it doesn't really seem to fit at least percept perceptions of the old world, like his brother. So I wonder if that's the same kind of thing of that whole, like, remember your roots, you know, remember where you really come from, you know, those kinds of things, not the flashy Vegas kind of almost, you know, attitude. Well, he's still in New York, but still, yeah, Frank's a throwback to those old New York gangsters. Remember, he doesn't right. in that opening se- sequence. He doesn't fit in. You know, he, he, in mm-hmm. fact, they make a fool of him. Uh, they make a fool of him in the uh, 
and you know, with the band, and he's that's trying to a, get him to play Tarantella. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I thought he was going to freak out on the guy. So I was smacking the band leader for yeah. doing Pop Goes the Weasel. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. So uh, let's talk a little bit about then what happens immediately after the Senate hearing. Michael's great triumph. You know, he's got all this in his past. Kay does the heel turn, and she comes to him and says, "I'm leaving you. I'm taking the kids." And then she drops a bomb, which is, I didn't have a miscarriage. I aborted your son so you wouldn't have another son and we could end the Corleone family. I mean, Kay goes from sympathetic uh, figure to villain in about two and a half seconds in this. I mean, what a horrific admission. Uh, you know, a mother who would... And, and so Kay, who in the first movie we saw, is. She's an innocent outside the family. She's been pulled in by her connection with Michael has been poisoned by this nastiness. And she still doesn't get it. Like she still doesn't get who he really. Yes. You yeah. know who he is. <laughs> the power he wields. You know? yeah. yeah. She She's not going to take those kids. Yeah. It's, it's uh, a pure acting class. And, uh, and again, uh, history behind the scene, uh, it was Talia Shire's idea who plays Connie uh, to, to have it be an abortion. She, she mentioned it to, to Coppola because it was originally supposed to just be a miscarriage. Uh, but she said, if it's an abortion, it would really hurt Michael, obviously. And it would just make it that much more evil thing. And, and more the of a time period betrayal. When it takes place versus when it was, film too because right. it's was right. it's like 19 is it like 19, 1959 uh, or yeah. yeah so, so obviously harder harder to get one harder to get an abortion during that time and and hagen had to have known hagen drove her there you know to there the, was no to, way she could have gone to a doctor and had this exactly done without yeah. him knowing yeah and that which is you, you can infer that's part of the reason why hagen's like left out of a lot of stuff that michael's keeping him out you're out tom yeah why, why is that so quotable it's like if you ever yeah. had a friend named Tom and the opportunity comes up, it's like you, you just say it, you know. You're out, Tom. You're out. Tom. Yeah. But yeah, again, like I mentioned, when when she drops that bomb on him, the look on his face, you know, you don't see Michael blow up like that a lot. You know, like we mentioned before, he's 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 not that type of guy. But when he does, like, oh, man, you know, brace yourself. And, and, and you know, that scene coupled with, again, going back to the when he realizes Fredo's betrayal. I mean, even though he's in a room full of a bunch of people and <laughs> in front of a show, I mean, you, he, there's no subtlety there. He drops his head down and he's, he's beside himself. You know, you can tell his heart, you know, broke, you know, it's like he, like he told, literally told Fredo. Um, and yeah, it's, it's things like that when it comes to, especially those, like people he thought he could trust his own family, you know, betraying him like that, you know, no, nothing irks him more. Do you guys know, I'm just curious, I, you know, uh, just because it's such a like shocking moment uh the filming of that like like the like the, when he when he hits her and stuff like because I, I don't know how like do you know anything about how like how they did that or, or the the did he really hit her the, yeah i mean it looks i mean it's it's intense and i i just don't know i mean that's yeah, i don't know i don't know if he scene. really hit her but a lot of times actors it'll be between the actors a lot of actors are comfortable actually being hit you know they'll say it's okay hit me it's fine or, you know, it's it's you'd be surprised how easy it is to make a slap look believable on film 
with, oh, yeah, the, well, with, yeah. the, with the sound and, and and where the camera is. Yeah, but, we've, yeah. We've, done, we've we've done some good some good goofy ones and homemade movies and stuff. But it's I mean it's nothing that I mean it just looks so. Yeah. Dramatic, it could have been real, you know? yeah. But it's usually yeah, it's up to the actors. Yeah, it really it really gets you. Let's uh, talk a bit about. Uh, in fact, let's kind of wrap up the Vito storyline, and then we'll finish up with the Michael uh, storyline after that. I think that kind of works that way. So I want to talk about Vito and Don Fanucci. Uh, for, let's talk. Uh, first, I, I got to talk about the cinematography. We keep mentioning it. That when it, if you ever watch a period movie now, right? Just that comes out, and it takes place in you know the early the early twenties or the eight, you know the nineteen hundreds or eighteen hundreds, and it's like you, and filmed in this sort of yellowish color. That's because of the Godfather, uh, Willis, oh, yeah. the uh, cinematographer. He decided Gordon Willis decided to film all of the the period stuff, all of the the flashbacky stuff in both movies in this color which now has become the standard for this is taking place in a previous time. I mean, just it, it just kind of reinforces how much these movies have influenced movie making afterward. It's a, it's fascinating. Which is interesting because, you know, in, in reality, colors weren't different back then than they are now, but there's just something it does to us where it's like, Oh, this is a different time. You know, <laughs> it's a bygone era. Yeah. It's and in fact, if you watch movies, pay attention to the way it looks because the color, the lighting, all of that is in te- are intentional decisions by the filmmakers, and they could change the movie dramatically. Like just the idea of the light. You mentioned the the lighting, uh, Andrew. Whenever Michael or Vito in the first movie are sitting in their study, it's so dark. You mm-hmm. you're entering into this yeah. darkness, which is metaphorical. It's it's moral darkness uh, that you're entering into. And in fact, by at the end, when Michael is alone in the boathouse, you know, I I said we weren't going to talk about Michael separately. But but yeah, I want to talk about the cinematography, that darkness that he's sitting in, you know, it's it's a it's literally it's it's like being in a mausoleum. It's it's being in a tomb. It's it's Michael being surrounded, you know. By his family and those closest to him, and he's, he's and, and just by looking death. exactly, yes. yeah, it's yeah. that's what it's one of the many things the cinematography is supposed to represent, and why, yeah, Gordon Willis was, I mean, a lot of the success of these films have to have to do with him as much as it does with Coppola. So, uh, so th- th- with that said, I want to talk about the uh, the the Vito scenes, the Festival of San Rocco, which. They filmed in New York. Uh, the production design was amazing on this. Just the way that they took over these actual streets and made them look like 1920s Little Italy. And this festival, the Saint. I mean, it, it seems so alien, although not to people from Boston, because we still have these in the north end of Boston, the, the St. Anthony Feast and those sorts of things. But to, for a lot of America, like this carrying a saint and putting money on it and it just seems so alien and bizarre and and yet these guys are in it and this the scene where fanucci all in white so he stands Mm. out yes and and Vito tracking him across the rooftop as as you know through the streets and then laying in wait for him and and fanucci is just shocked that anyone could stand up to him like this. Uh, and it's, it's really that moment for Vito. I mean, what, what do you think of, of that part of it? This, this, this moment, the music, the spectacle, the, the everything. What do you think? Some people say this is the, 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 best, the best scene in the movie, but 
Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, uh, there are like ten different scenes that I go back and forth as <laughs> what's the best scene of the movie. But if you, I mean, taking everything into consideration, uh, again, the cinematography and and uh, and the acting and the production design. I mean, it, it's 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 really like the the peak. You know, all, all those you know things, all elements together at their at at their strongest. Um, like I said, the, it's you got the festival, you got him tracking on the roof, you got the, you know, Finucci is wearing white, so he's, you can easily, you know, follow him throughout the scene, and uh, then the thing with the, you know, with the light bulb, and uh, you know, the the towel catching on fire, the 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 symbolic passing of the torch, <laughs> so to yes. speak. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's just so much there, and and it's it's so. I mean, I, I can't even imagine watching it at that time, uh, how amazing it would have been watching that in, in a theater. Um, now, if we see a scene like that, you know, uh, a busy scene like that in a movie, we're not that impressed because. Well, everyone know, copied Coppola, you know, after right, that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there hadn't been anything like that before. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's uh, the, there's so much you can say about that scene and the, the, the detail. And again, it, that kind of gets lost. You know, in, in any movie, uh, it's that attention to detail. I mean, if any of that, all these, if any of these decisions are made poorly uh, from the, the production design, cinematography, dialogue, you know, or lack thereof, it, it, it could totally ruin the whole scene. Um, and it just just shows how, you know, as close as perfection as you can come to to a movie, I think, uh, is, is something that they, they achieved here. The only thing I would add, which is dancing on potential spoiler material, but I, I won't give any more detail for, for those of you preparing for our eventual episode three. Uh, there's a little homage um, that, that comes up later. So mm, interesting. <laughs> there's yes. sim, sim, similar imagery that, that was very, uh, very well done as well. So it, it's a it's a scene that I think they they knew very quickly, too, you know, after the the, the impact of it. Um, but I just think you know, just the whole, to me, just, it, it's, it's just, you know, I, I, I would hope in, in due diligence to faith and, and mercy and, and, you know, the attitude of except for the grace of God, there go I, by the same token, I just, to me, it's like, okay, uh, honey, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go, I'm going to go kill this dude and come back and watch the rest of the parade. Yeah. Sit on the you street know? with you. <laughs> All the kids. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's that wow. coldness, though, right? It's the coldness we eventually see in Michael in as he's holding Michael sitting on those steps. You know, that that coldness is going to get more metastasized in a sense that it's a cancer. Right. Well, and it's just amazing because it's just it's just one more family problem to be. You know, it's like he he has the same attitude that I have, like, oh, I fixed the flag on the mailbox, hon. You know, <laughs> like it's just it's something, you know, Fanucci's dead, too. And um, our bill, our electric bill went up 10 bucks next month. So, you know, <laughs> what's the next thing on the list? Like, it's just, geez, it's another you know, thing on the list. That's that 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 world, you know. So we wrap up Vito's storyline with his triumphant return to Corleone. That's the town in Italy um, uh, where, as I mentioned, his grandmother was like a spitting image of my grandmother was kind of freaky. <laughs> and, uh, he gets his revenge on Don Ciccio, you know, that Don Ciccio was saying from the, at the beginning, I have to kill this nine-year-old because he's going to come back and try to kill me as a, as a man. And he wasn't wrong. Prophecy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was not. 
it's, like, wrong. it's like Shakespeare. Well, not even Shakespeare. I mean, it's, it's like Greek. Tra- it I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's honest to God, like Oedipus. No, you know, not some of that. But I mean, just the idea of like these big, long, like it's going to come back around, you know. And then once he gets th- that, man, the, the awful, like where he. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the curse of the old man. We see like the next very next scene after they get away. He's coming out of church in the town on Palm Sunday. You know, this and it's this contrast between, you know, and, I mean, there's a sense that this is a, the guts, the uh, Chicho in a way like Jesus, he's, his arms go out to the side. So we have that cru- mm-hmm. the cross image mm-hmm. that Don Chicho and the the lance in the side, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some crucifixion imagery. Now, obviously, he's not Jesus. He's a he's a, you know, a gangster who killed his whole family in front of him. but. But there's this imagery and then, you know, to Palm Sunday in this this contrast in between these 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 two moments. But this is Vito's crowning moment in this horrible bloodbath, in a sense. Uh, it, it, it was a fascinating end to that story, that part of the story from there. So uh, let's wrap up uh, Michael's part of the story then, because as you know, Michael basically ties up all his loose ends at the end of the movie. Roth has been on the run. He finally has nowhere to go, has to come back to the U.S. Uh, and somehow they get a guy willing to to k- kill himself to kill Roth for Michael. Again, fascinating. You, you kind of wonder, what did they what did they give that guy? Like, did that guy like have terminal cancer or something and will take care of your family? I mean, what, that was it's it's sort of a Jack Ruby move moment. Maybe, maybe he was just really dumb. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> that's that's like, also very possible. So, so you, want me, you want me to shoot him, boss? And then, yeah, yeah that's that's it. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. And yeah. then run away very yeah, quickly. Run away yeah. very fast. Like, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, Frank Pantangeli, uh, uh, Hagen goes to him and they have this this amazing talk about the Romans. Yes. The Roman, the, the emperor. It's and a powerful scene. Amazing scene. Yeah. I, I love her. I'm Robert Duvall all the way. Yeah. Everything oh, yeah. he's ever done. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Ever since when he played Boo Radley, you remember? And uh, he was he was young <laughs> in Kill, To Kill a Mockingbird. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So. So uh, and and he basically tells Frank and Frank agrees that he's got to, you know, fall on his sword. And, and, and if he does, his family will be taken care of. And, you know, that those sorts of promises are held. Um, and then. Fredo, who Michael had promised, as long as he, he said to his uh, his his, his uh, gunman Al, as long as my mother is alive, nothing happens to Fredo. And so then we saw Mama Corleone die, and we're all like, "Uh oh, here it comes." Yeah, every time, every time I watch this movie, I mean, I watch this movie dozens of times now. It's it, I still like, man. Don't kill him, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you just keep waiting. He's like, don't look at Al. Don't look at, oh, he looked yeah, at Al. He looked at Al. After Connie saying, just forgive him. And you're like, oh, he's going to forgive him. And then he looks at Al. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. Oh. And the, the the moment he dies, like he tells Anthony, you know, the, the, the uh, Michael's son, the, about the time he went fishing with his dad. And the reason, you know, the reason he got all the fish was because he'd say Hail Mary every time he cast. And so when Mike, when Fredo's out there fishing with Al, he says that he says the Hail Mary, except for, did you notice where he ends the prayer? He, what he doesn't get a chance to say is now and at the hour of our death, yeah. which is chilling. I get is, chills that saying that. Pregnant pause. Cause yes. you know yes. what he's saying. And you just go, you know, Michael pause, pause. 
bang. You know, like, uh. Yes. Now yeah. at the hour of, like, the, literally yeah. at the hour of his death. Um, at least to let him pray. That's what I was died. saying. It's like, it's like Neri, you know, I'm, I'm not defending what he did, but, you know, just like letting him, you know, like his, his last words, uh, you know. But was it uh, in Oedipus, the uh, Shakespeare play, not Oedipus, uh, Othello, where Othello didn't want to let the, uh, I think I can never remember the, all the characters, didn't want the guy who killed his dad, didn't want to kill him while he was praying because he didn't, he wanted him to go to hell. <laughs> like he didn't want the chest that he make it, <laughs> yes. you know, it's like, wow, that's, that's, that's evil. Right. But, yep. but you know, in this, you know, it's a little different. It, it's just, I don't know. It's kind of fascinating. So we end, we, so we end with like Michael basically killing everyone. He betrays him. Uh, and then Kay like slamming the door in her face. Which was almost as bad as killing her. You know, you'd hear that anguish on the other side. So what do you think of that wrap up? We'll talk about the birthday dinner uh, separately, but that part of the wrap up. What do you think of how that closes out? What is this doing to Michael? To Michael here? It's almost like a. Uh, this just totally popped in my head. And this might be a bit of a stretch, but it's it's almost like his whole role is a sort of satanic inversion of, of um, being an apostle or a bishop specifically. Cause you know, the, the word you know, bishop, you know, we know it comes from the uh, episcopos, you know, to, to oversee, you know, and that's exactly like it's, it's, they could have had, I don't know that this was the intention, but I just, I, that's the image that sticks in my head is that he steps up and like, just looking out over, I think it's, it's like Tahoe, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like Tahoe. So yes. like looking out over the lake, like overseeing, this this murder of his brother you know and just like the complete like like this is the kind of world that i am making in my own image sort of thing like it's just this just completely drastically dark selfish i mean you couldn't get more opposite of the gospel than that you know it doesn't even do it doesn't even do it himself you know and his son was just there with his uncle. And you could see that his son loves his uncle and not even for the sake of his son does he spare and, his brother. And he knows like there's there are ways. And this this is something it did comes up quite a bit because him processing this is and, and the haunting of this is a big theme of, of uh, the third movie. Um, and, and I think really well done. It's one of the best parts of it, I think. But just seeing the he doesn't have. To, well, obviously, he doesn't have to do it, but it, he but in his world he doesn't have to do that you know it's complete it's just because he was hurt it's it's because it hurt him and, and like he's just i want him to die it, it's just pure unmitigated vengeance you know with without even any real like you know business benefit from it you know so i i, I obviously i think this is obviously the timing of it like it's his lowest point so far you know obviously like it's like a point of no return in a lot of ways, I think. And I think you can argue a lot of the stuff that tend that starts to really kind of happen in the third movie. Um, despite his kind of you know, like, hmm. yeah, it, it's it's there's no getting away from that. It just pretty much uh, seals the deal on on Michael as to who he's become. I mean, I mean, what's worse than killing your own brother? It's it's no matter what he did. I mean, and, and you know, we realize in the end, it's you know, Fredo didn't do what he did just because he was dumb. I mean, that was a big part of it, you know, like, Oh, he got outwitted, but he really did hate, you know, Michael. And, and, and he admitted that to him, uh, you know, uh, in Havana and, 
he despised Michael and, and, and he wanted to be the Don. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I, th- I think that, you know, at the end there too, is as much sympathy that, that we have for Fredo is like, the, you know, obviously he didn't deserve to die, but like he did a horrible thing too. You know, he, he, you know, he was instrumental. It's just like, and again, you can, Michael can make every excuse for what he did. Like, Oh, Fredo is just going to make another mistake again. If, if he stays alive and it could affect the family. Um, it's like you said, Mike, it's, you know, he just did it because he wanted to, he, he never, I mean, him and Fredo were never close. Uh, I mean, let's be real. And I, I think that had a lot to do with it too, is, is he never saw eye to eye with Fredo. Uh, and they were, uh, and, and, and Fredo being, you know, un- unfortunately like the, you know, he said his mom used to tease him by saying you were raised by gypsies and, <laughs> uh, you know, th- it wasn't really, you know, uh, their biological, her biological son, uh, it, it, that, that has <laughs> crazy effect on you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm sure as we, as we can see in his character and, um, and Michael just, I mean, he's pouring his heart out, even though at the same time he's uh, admitting to betraying him, he's pouring his heart out and Michael cannot see it for what it is. He cannot like be sympathetic to that. And he cannot ultimately as, as Connie begged him to do, he cannot forgive his own brother. I mean, so many chances Michael has had for quote unquote redemption or, or to, to, to fly straight as he wanted to. And he just does the complete opposite. Uh, you know, it's, it all comes back to power and greed. Uh, ultimately he's going to do everything he can to, to build his empire, uh, legitimate or not. And if that means, uh, and if that means he has to kill his brother, then he'll do it. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it, it, it's, it's as tragic as tragedies can get. <laughs> and, um, uh, it's, uh, I know we'll talk about the the very last scene and then the the last scene before the credits, but um, it's uh, to me the third movie is not canon. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, there are like like Mike said, there are good things about the movie. I mean, Al Pacino is still phenomenal in it, but um, but talk about wrapping up a, a saga you, you, like this. You, you, you really have to do, do better. Do some hard work to right <laughs> to get around some other things, and that's yeah. But if we exhausting. ended at part two, no. yeah, you end at part two. I mean, it's. It's as flawless as a as a as a story in any medium as you can get. So let's talk about this uh, this birthday dinner. It's sort of the the wrap up to, in a sense, they make it the veto story. The end of the veto story is the beginning of the Michael story, uh, and it's this surprise birthday. It's it's Pearl Harbor. It's December seventh, nineteen forty one. Uh, which and, and is, by the way, I, oh go ahead, sorry, you might you might have been about to say it. <laughs> Well, it's Vito's birthday. That's my mom's yeah, right. birthday. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. Another another connection to this movie. It's kind of scary for me. Uh, but oh, wow. uh, <laughs> I, I just I love the way they said it, though, too. And he's like, yeah, can you believe they bombed, you know, bombed Pearl Harbor on Pop's birthday? He's like, they didn't know it was Pop's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you defending them? <laughs> like that would have made a difference. You yeah, know, hey, yeah. who knows? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it well, I think it was it, uh, uh, Andrew, you were telling us before we were recording, I think, or was it during the recording? That that Before, uh, it was yeah. Marlon Brando was supposed to be in the scene. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. And, and it, 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 up to the day, I mean, they were expecting him on set and 
just didn't show up. I mean, the story is, I, I mean, he wanted to stick it to the producers or something or just to the studio because he felt, I mean, Marlon Brando was, it was, was if you know Marlon anything Brando. about him. <laughs> he's as, yeah, he, he is as uh, hard to work with as any actor ever. But, um, but yeah, they had to rewrite the, the scene, you know, and, and have him be, you know, uh, obviously not in the scene, but he was apparently in the other room. Right. Um, but, uh, I think that, that were, that was providential because the, I think his presence would have been just too much for that scene. Yeah. Way too yeah. distracting. And, and to not have him throughout the whole film and then to bring him at the very end, like a cameo. You know, I, I, yeah. has a little, yeah, it, it, it would have, yeah, I, I think it worked out for the best. Yeah. I, I really, I like that because as I said before, it's, it really, it's that crossover. It's the bridge from Vito's story to Michael's story. And we're seeing, we get this as a sharper contrast in who Michael was and who he became, as we see in this scene versus in the end of the, of the movie, because, you know, in this scene, he's the, he's the hero. He's the American hero. He's go, he's going to win the Navy cross, you know, for his valor in world war two. You know, he is the, the guy who's, you know, and his sonny, you know, in his crass way, you know, you're, you're the pop had all the, the, you were the one who was going to rise above all this. Uh, and when it comes down to it, he's the one who is most in, in immersed in what it all is. Uh, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a really great idea to have this scene. And plus, of course, all of the little touchstones to what we, what will eventually happen in the first movie, you know, in narratively, uh, you know, Connie and her eventual abusive husband is being introduced to her in this, at this dinner and all these other things. Uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating to see some of those seeds being planted here. Yeah, it, it is a, it is a great scene. And then we end with Michael. Now, what do you guys think about this ending with my, this, this shot of Michael with nothing? Is this, is this at the same time? He looks older in this. What do you, what do you think oh, is going he's on much with older. this? Yeah. Right. So it's years later. Yeah. Many years later. I mean, I, I, to me, it's just, you know, it's him reflecting on all his, you know, sins and, and, and his uh, transgressions and what has led him to, the state of life that he's in now where he's just all alone, you know, like again, paralleling with the scene right before where eventually everyone leaves the table and Michael's by himself. He's all alone. You know, he's just, again, it's, a, it's, 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 it's an old man looking back on his life, all the bad that he's done and wondering if it was all worth it. You know, that all of that, <laughs> again, the facial expression, the, the, the acting that Al Pacino can do with his face. I mean, uh, just, just sitting there contemplating, it tells you, can tell you all of that and um well and i'm assuming andrew you probably know better here but they I, there might have been ideas but i don't know that there was a steady plan to do a part because they didn't do part three for what 16 years i mean part three came yeah. out in 1990 it takes place in 1978 i think or around that time so i mean there's like a 20 year time jump but right exactly there was yeah. no book there's no puzo book uh right. for part three it was uh yeah um I think I think Coppola just was inspired. I think he was fascinated by that Vatican storyline that he threw into the movie, which is which is fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is fascinating. Yeah, way it connects. Yeah, yeah. I think he was a little too fascinated with it. I think that's why uh, one of the reasons why the, the the film missed the mark. But um, uh, yeah, the, there was no plan for a third one. Again, mostly because the the book the books ended there. Well, and the only reason I bring it up is because it's 
there's and again no no spoilers here but you know the these things we're talking about you know this this sort of what's michael going through what's he thinking you know um we're not done with that yet you know by any stretch Uh, right but at the time i think they might have been knowing me knowing where it ends up and and i think actually where it ends up is 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 more culminating and, and pretty incredible scene i'll just put it that way we'll we'll talk about that at length the last time but to me knowing that i think this is they clearly connected the two and just went more definitively for that in the in the last one um so that that's my assumption is that this this was a little what ended up being a preview of, of where it ultimately kind of you know concludes yeah and and it's it's i think you know his his the ending for his character you know you can parallel it to to Frankie's uh, ending too. It's like, again, that scene uh, at the prison with, with, with Tom Hagen, you know, the, the whole Roman uh, empire thing, you know, when he talks about, you know, again, the genius writing, instead of just telling Tom, Hey, I'm going to kill myself. Can you take care of my family? You know, it's, it's this whole thing. And, uh, and Tom, the lawyer, you know, he like, we yeah. never talked about, what are you talking about? I didn't tell him to do it. It's exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so much said without it being said, right? Um, the the uh, devil's and, a prosecuting attorney. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least, you know, Frankie can die knowing that his family will be taken care of. And, and Michael has to suffer as, again, we see him in old age at the end sitting down. So, you know, he's lived long enough to, you know, to have to dwell on these things and, and and he has to live with knowing that Sonny died, Fredo obviously died, and was because of you know that's something he wanted to to happen, and and you know what, what yeah, like I said what, what like has he repented? Does he, does he I, regret? I, don't know ever, I mean, yeah, yeah it looks like a look of regret. That. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I guess, hmm. again, like you said, part three goes into a lot of that uh, some more. But if we, you know, you when you leave it at that, if you leave if you leave this as the ending, you can just kind of tell like, you know what what's probably going on through his head. We should probably do part three sooner than a year from now. Yes, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we do need to do that. So no, we can remember what we now. said now. <laughs> All right, absolutely. Any last any last uh, notes or thoughts on this movie before we wrap up? Anything we haven't covered? I don't we we mentioned her a little bit, but I Talia Shire, you know, her it it's just such an interesting kid. Like you really kind of feel for her because she's sort of a sort of a side character in a sense. I mean, she's in it here and there throughout, but it's like like what was what was she ever supposed to get out of all of it? You know? Like like what what chance did she have? Um and and again, <laughs> previewing a little bit where where she ends up going is very interesting too um you know we'll oh, get yeah. there, but it, but it's just like in this movie like just what a train wreck and it's so heartbreaking you know um and and trying to sort of like even um approach him as like res- at one you know later on like respecting him in a sense or trying to show this respect for him you know as as being like this you know the the not reincarnation, but like, you know, he is like, he's the new dad of the family and everything. And, but it's, and, and, you know, and he, he loves her, but it's, it's just, it's all just so messed up, you know, and it just really takes a toll on her in such a huge way from the first movie to the second, you know, her abusive husband. And then all this, these, these men who are just, I love, by the way, I love the scene when he just unapologetically 
because she won't send her boyfriend out or her husband or whoever it is now. And he's like, okay, I'll say it anyway. And he just goes to it. It's like talking yeah. about awkward, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, like he talks about the guy right in front of his face. Yeah. What does he yeah. say? It's like the ink isn't even dry in your divorce papers yet. And you're with, <laughs> it's like awkward. And he's uh, just here for your money. You know, yeah, you, it's just like, what's like, get out of you? He's like, maybe you should have left the room before this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, it's another scene that just popped in my head. I'm like, oh man, so classic. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, any last, last thoughts? The only thing I can think of, I mean, did we, I, now I can't remember, did we mention the, the Oscar stuff before we were recording or did we mention it during the recording? Uh, it came up a little bit, but we can, let's, <laughs> let's talk it. about it. You were yeah, trying to remember who the supporting actor nominees were. So it was De Niro. Oh, yeah. Michael yeah, Gazzo was, yeah, De Niro yeah, won. De Niro won, uh, deservedly so. Strasberg uh, was nominated and Gazzo was nominated for Frankie Five Angels. Um, but the fact, again, I'll bring up again, the fact that John Cazale playing Fredo and even Robert Duvall. I mean, you could have had all the nominees go to roles in this film and they would have all been deserved. But I think De Niro deservedly won. But I thought Cazale should have been the runner up. But uh, And they didn't know, of course, at the time and not that this would have affected anything. But, you know, knowing that he he died. Right. So, so young, tragically. You know, yeah. Just he a had a good career later. ahead of him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, again, going back also to the best actor thing. I mean, the fact that Al Pacino didn't win for this, and he didn't win until um, gosh, what was that 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 movie? Who? Oh okay. uh, uh, yeah, uh, um, smell. Uh, scent, 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 of scent of a woman. Scent of a woman. Yes, scent of a woman. I mean, he he. <laughs> oh, Al Pacino not winning an Oscar until Scent of a Woman. I mean, okay, it was an okay movie. Uh, you know, a good Al Pacino performance, not his best, but Serpico. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact, I mean, and not just that, I mean, I mean, Al Pacino is nominated, Jack Nicholson nominated for Chinatown. Okay. Uh, one of the greatest films of all time. One of the greatest forms of all time. He didn't win. Yeah. Albert Finney was nominated uh, for um, that murder movie. I forgot. I'm forgetting the name. Um, but, uh, uh, Murder on the Orient Express. As he was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, thank you. And then Art, uh, uh, who ends up winning? Art Carney. <laughs> okay, I mean a yeah. legend in his own right. But I mean, come on for it's, Harry it's, and Tonto. Harry and Tonto. For Harry and Tonto. Yeah, here exactly. are the best actor nominees that year. Uh, so Art Carney, Albert Finney, Dustin Hoffman for as Dustin Lenny, Hoffman, uh, Lenny yeah, Bruce. yeah, John, yeah. Jack Nicholson in Chinatown, and Al Pacino in The Godfather Part Two. I mean. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that's it's really I know it's an award show film is subjective, whatever, uh, you know, Oscars, especially back then were just run by a bunch of, you know, old, you know, white people. But like it's it's uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about like the Godfather and, and the fact that he didn't win for part one. <laughs> it's 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 a travesty. But you uh, wonder, is it because Brando refused the Oscar for part one? Uh, as best actor i wonder if there was a little bit of politics of uh Why you know he, he refused again? it so we're not uh brando so brando refused the uh the best the best actor yeah. win in in for the for, for veto in part I, I forget one. i forget why though i, I don't know it was brando being brando <laughs> at the time yeah he had he had um it was a i think a, a native american woman except the war on his behalf and oh, she gave right, like right. a yeah she she talked about the plight of you know indigenous people and and yeah he he was it was more like a political sort of thing for him um yeah i don't think that's why i think i think it's 
the Oscars have, uh, you know, a tendency to just give awards to like old Hollywood types, you know, if they, w- when they can. So obviously our, our Carney was, uh, you know, a, a TV legend, a movie legend. Um, you know, they, they gave it to him ultimately. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, at least, I mean, it, I mean, it did win best picture, best, uh, director, best screenplay, best supporting actor. I mean, it won a bunch of awards still, but, um, yeah, looking back, I think the two of the biggest mistakes the Oscars ever had, um, and they've had many were, were at this, at this year's was Pacino not winning and, and John Cazell not being nominated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah, just, yeah, I was looking at the the lists for those years and it's just, it's a phenomenal, um, not, but nine, nine Oscars in two films. It just, it, it's the first sequel. The only two sequels have ever won best picture, uh, this and return of the King, which is interesting. And it's the, 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 uh, what was it? The first time did three win an Oscar? Did the third part? I don't uh, think it Godfather did. three. Yeah. I don't. F- I, I, have to, uh, I don't I think was, so, but don't quote me on that. I might have won some minor award, but I don't think. Okay, I, yeah, I didn't I'm win any of the major if, awards. I'm looking if it even has a section on Wikipedia for awards. So, <laughs> no, uh, Pacino yeah, might have been nominated for that too, but yeah, I don't think anyone yeah. won. I do want to wrap it up with just recognition of its place in in our culture. I mentioned the music, you know, as is is symbolic and emblematic of Italian Americans. Uh, but even lines like "I'm going to make you an offer we can't refuse" from the first movie. This movie has "Keep your enemies close, keep your friends close, and your enemies closer." That's from this movie. You know that that, that th- there's so many. We, we and we've mentioned other ones like you know you broke my heart. I knew it was you, Fredo. You know that sort of stuff. These just they they have this place in in the in the American psyche, in in our culture now, where it's just it's part of the way we people people say things from these movies and don't even know they're from these movies. That 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 shows you how how much this has become part of our culture. So this is one of the reasons why we we talk about these things on on this podcast. Uh, so uh, so that's been that's been the first two Godfather movies. We will we will do the third Godfather movie. Unlike unlike when we did the series on the Indiana Jones movies, uh, and we refused to acknowledge uh, oh, the Indiana fourth Jones one. four. Yeah. Uh, this in this case we Good will choice. we will we will uh, talk about part three. By the way, uh, at a at a parish, uh, like everybody, bring your books and DVDs you want to get rid of sale. I managed to find like two or three years after the fourth Indiana Jones movie came out. Um, I found an older DVD box set that has the original three movies and then like a bonus features. So I proudly, that's the set I have. <laughs> so like the set doesn't even include it. And I'm like, eh, that's, that's how I want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I know it's, it's, I don't quite go there with Godfather three. I do. I think there's a lot of great stuff in it. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I will say Godfather three compared to Indiana Jones four makes Godfather three look like Godfather two. Oh, yeah. all right let's wrap it up there uh we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of movies and tv shows including maria n patricia r ron s ryan w and marion m you have done a favor for us we will do a favor for you. Uh, no, just kidding. They're generous donations at sqpn.com slash give. Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of movies and TV shows and all the shows at StarQuest. Now's a great time to become a StarQuest patron because thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter, when you start a new 
Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give. The first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor. So uh, now's the time to become a StarQuest patron. If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, you can visit sqpn.com slash give today. So that's it from us. We want to hear from you. What is your thoughts on the Godfather Part 2? What did we miss? Because we've obviously missed a lot. I mean, you just can't. We'd be here for hours and hours. So instead, you tell us what, what, what we missed, what you liked about this movie, your thoughts and your impressions. You can do that by going to sqpn.com slash secrets and leave a uh, comment there. You can go to our the StarQuest Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to secrets at sqpn.com. Until next time, Mike Creevy, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of The Godfather Part 2. Oh, my pleasure. A lot of fun. Andrew Hermes, thank you as well. Thanks for having me. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows on StarQuest. <laughs>